Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, the podcast where we take animals you see every day, animals you've heard of, and animals you didn't know existed, and break them down in a single episode. Our goal as animal lovers is to spread knowledge and awareness about the creatures we share this floating rock with. We hope you learn something new. Hello and welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. I'm Colton. And what are we talking about today, Julia? Today we are talking about the vampire bat. Um, and just real quick, like with many other animals before, it is one where there is many species of it, but they're close enough that we can talk about the whole. Um, and there's multiple, like the most commons, there's common ones, hairy laid, white wing. I mean, there is multiple different types of vampire bats. Um... And just when you look at them, when you look at their body, it's pretty bat shape. It's kind of when you get into their face that they look a little weird, I would say. Um, they, what's ha- they have what's called a leaf nose, and it almost looks like a pig snout. So it's like compressed, um, like squished against its face. And then I'd say the next weirdest thing is its ears, because they also kind of look like pig ears, and they're really big compared to the rest of its body. Yeah. As far as the size of a common vampire bat, they're average around three and a half inches and a seven inch wingspan. So they're not the biggest bats in the world. A lot of people picture them as a, when you think of vampire bat, they think of like the large bat that flies around and chases people in movies. Yep. They're pretty nondescript, they're pretty tiny. It's actually hard to see them most of the time at night. They tend to keep to themselves. Yep. Typically don't go after people at all. They'll live about nine years and they're very light in weight. Doesn't be very fast, nimble, agile. They're about two ounces. Then, as for the social aspect of vampire bats, they are very social creatures. Uh, they tend so they tend to live in caves. The very stereotypical. They tend to live in caves. They like hiding in caves. It's nice and dark in there because they are nocturnal. Um, the, their colonies, which is their group name, the colonies tend to be about a hundred. But there have been recorded instances of colonies over a thousand vampire bats in the in huge cave systems and in area areas that have plenty of livestock and food for them to eat on, which is really interesting. The fact that they can get that big, and like I said, like I said, they are very social. Uh, usually, it tends to be females and other females, and then females with their children. Males tend to be a little bit secluded from that; they're not as social. Uh, but as for like social groupings that we see, you will see them. Feeding each other, if there is one vampire bat that doesn't get enough food, other vampire bats will regurgitate stuff that they have eaten and help the bat that didn't get as much to eat. And we will we also see them groom each other, which is really interesting. Uh, that's not something a ton of other um, mammals do, so it's really interesting seeing a bat do that. To add on to what you just said, um, kind of a fun fact, studies have actually found as far as this mutual grooming and food sharing it's actually bats prefer to do it among kin when a bat is related directly to within a couple generations of another bat they prefer to food share and they more commonly groom and give up their resources to what they're related to and as far as where they're found they prefer warm arid humid climates and they're found in um central america south america and parts of mexico um, so like I said, they like that really 
uh, dry, humid client that you typical find like in the Central Americas and South America? Uh, one physical thing that sets the vampire bat apart from other bats is they have a long thumb. And I know I say thumb and people are like, what? They have wings. They don't have fingers. If you actually look at a bat's wings, you can clearly see where it, we get the idea of a hand. Where you can see where all mammals evolved from the same creature at some point. So you can see in a bat's wings what look like fingers. And so the thumb is the one that's typically on the very first joint. That is what's considered the thumb in a bat's wings. Well, their thumb is longer, which helps them take off from the ground. They're actually the only species of bat that can take off from the ground. And if you've ever seen a video of a vampire bat moving, it's kind of creepy. They bounce. They kind of like hop around. And it's because of that thumb that they're able to get that verticality and move around. They almost look like frogs moving around. And it's honestly really weird to see like a bat or a small furry mammal moving like that. And we kind of already touched into this, but their main diet is actually livestock. So you think cows, pigs, horses, that is their main diet. Um, well, to, to preface to, to <laughs> Their diet is blood. Yes. But they get it from livestock. <laughs> yeah. They're not eating an entire cow. No, no, no. <laughs> but they're also known um, to also go after larger birds and other mammals sometimes. But like I said, preference is livestock. And then when how they actually eat um, is, yes, they don't eat the whole animal. They Their diet is blood, which hence the vampire bat. They are blood suckers. So what they typically do is they will literally sneak up on this livestock at night while they're sleeping and basically just bite them and then feed off them and suck their blood. And they can do this for up to 30 minutes uninterrupted if they do it correctly. And because, you know, I like learning new words and sharing the new words that I learned when we do this research, I learned the new word for things that feast on blood. It is called sanguivorous. So it's based on the Latin word sanguine, which is Latin for blood. So it's a vampire rat is sanguivorous, and it is the only mammal in the entire world that is sanguivorous. The modern uh, scientific way to describe a diet of blood as a vampire bats have is actually hematophagy. As far as when they actually feed on things, uh, their saliva acts as what's known as an anticoagulant. It keeps the blood from clotting, so it allows them to stay there and keep feeding on the same animal for a while without the wound almost healing over and stopping. And I know one thing that people probably think of when they hear about a vampire bat feasting on the things is how don't the how don't the animals know? Well if you look at a vampire bat's teeth, it's similar to um, like snakes or other things that have the sharp teeth that inject. It's they are almost like needle like where they are very thin and very, very, very sharp. So the animal is not even gonna feel the bite ever happen. And then how the vampire bat knows where to bite is they have special organs in their nose to help them find the warm spots on an animal. And those warm spots are where blood is closest to the skin, so they know exactly where they need to bite to get to the blood. And I know we say they do feed on livestock. There have been documented instances of vampire bats feeding on humans. Now, it's, it's usually not a huge deal. They're not going to take enough blood for it to matter. Um, the only big issue is sometimes they can spread disease or you can get infected because it is a bite. Um, so that's really the only big deal that happens with it. But there's nothing really to ever worry about from a vampire bat bite as long as you get it checked out and get it cleaned up. And just like talking about actually how much blood they take, you know, 
when we think of, you know, like vampire bats attacking humans, they're like, oh, you know, they drain them of their blood. And this is not true. And this is not true with what they, like, prey on the livestock either. Typically, they only take about a couple of teaspoons from each prey that they bite. And they jump around from prey to prey during the nighttime. And they can actually double their weight just in liquid when they are feeding at night. And just going along the lines of, you know, what eats a vampire bat, it does not have many natural predators. Since it is nocturnal, uh, when it goes out at night, the only other uh, larger predator is larger birds such as hawks and eagles, which is the natural threat to them. Um, And there have been uh, documented things about snakes coming into the caves at night and taking advantage of the bats um, when they are sleeping, when they're vulnerable, and sometimes snakes will try to pick off bats. The way uh, vampire bats actually search for their food sources is through echolocation and smell. Echolocation is obviously what's utilized by most bats, is using sound waves to actually bounce back and get a kind of a visual image of what's going on. They have very poor eyesight in general, not just nighttime eyesight, but daytime. So... By using sound, it kind of negates the use of that. And they also go off smell and obviously what we mentioned earlier with being able to look for heat through the special organs in their nose to locate blood vessels close to the surface. And I know people think, oh, they're making a lot of these sounds. They're actually not sounds that you can hear. They are so high pitch and high frequency that they are, uh, you cannot hear them as a human, which is very interesting. And just jumping into their reproduction... Um, So we talked about the large colonies that bats have. Within these colonies, there are subcolonies. And these usually are, you know, um, more females to one male. So I I saw that it was about a dozen females to one male. And what will happen is this one male will mate with all these other females um, just to try and, you know, have as many young as possible. And when they actually do mate... The mother will only give birth to one baby at a time. And it's, it's the idea of, you know, give birth to one and then nurture it as much as you can. That way it is ready to go out in the wild. And the gestation period for these bats is actually pretty long. It's seven months. And, you know, for mammals, that's pretty typical. But when you think about the size of the bat itself, it's very, very long. I believe the term for the... The newborn baby bats actually are as precocial. It's a young describes a young that can actually be almost self-sufficient as soon as it's born. The fact that it can be born and be flying around nearly immediately, it shows that they're a little more set to be on their own much faster, which allows them to have a quicker turnaround for raising more young. So even though the baby bats do come out well-developed, the babies will basically cling to their mothers for the first, I think it's two to three months of their life, and they will not feed on blood until about three months later. Uh, They will just be feeding on their mother's milk uh, until they are able to go out and hunt on their own, which like I said is about uh, three to four months. And just jumping into some fun facts real quick, There was a fossil of a vampire bat that was found in Argentina. Um, I'm not exactly sure when it was found or how old it was, Um, but they saw it was similar enough that they think it was related to the modern-day vampire bat, and it had a wingspan of over 20 inches. So, I mean, the vampire bats um, back in history could have been much, much larger than the ones that we find today. Which makes sense given that the prey was going to be a lot larger as well. 
And then another fun fact real quick, and this is kind of a cute, like, little happy fun fact. Um, vampire bats are the only bats known to adopt offspring. Um, so, you know, if a certain situation happens where, you know, like, a mother dies, um, another mother bat will actually take in the baby and raise it herself. Um, and we kind of touched on that earlier, how they are pretty, like, loving mammal creatures when you wouldn't think they are. And then the last little fun fact I have is we talked about how their saliva um, helps uh, prevent blood clotting. Well, we have actually uh, worked with bats and done research and taken some of their saliva to develop drugs that also help um, prevent blood clotting um, with, you know, things like surgeries and stuff like that. One thing I thought was interesting was that juveniles are very playful. Uh, some some of the most juvenile mammals, they are very playful. They have a lot of energy sort of thing. Um, but the problem is they don't want to be playful with adult males. Adult males can tend to be more aggressive and can be uh, can potentially hurt them. So as a sign of like submission, juvenile bats will almost kind of bow to them. How it's described of how it looks is they'll have one wing in the air while like turning their body. So it's kind of like almost like a bow to show like a sign of submission to these older males. As far as the conservation status of this animal goes, they're actually pretty well off. Um, they're considered a very low threat level right now because of their numbers are very high and they're over a very wide area of land. And one major thing that actually benefits them is the fact that people keep livestock. As long as people keep doing that, the bats usually have a good source of food to go to that are it's pretty regularly there. The only major threat to that is some of them do carry rabies, and in some places they are actually um, treated as pests and killed so they don't spread rabies to the livestock, though the transmission rate is very, very low. And as with almost every animal we talk about on this podcast, because it's true of almost any animal species in the world, one of the biggest threats to vampire bats is loss of env uh, their environment due to humans. So that's one of the biggest things is we come in and we destroy these forests or we like interrupt the cave systems wherever these bats may be. And so obviously that's one of the biggest threats to them. And that's all we have on the vampire bat. Uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, tune in next week. We are going to do our episode on the satanic leaf-tailed gecko. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can find the handles for those in the description below. I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.